Good evening, everybody. Ooh, spring in Michigan. Yay. I just got back from Cambodia a few weeks ago, and I, my, my thinking was, you know, we're in here, 89-degree weather, and when we get back in Michigan, it'll be warmed up by then. Not. Nah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's spring. I am uh, happy to be here tonight to share with you a word, and I'm going to share with you on a subject that I'm pretty familiar with. It's called strength. I started my strength. I've been a lifelong strength athlete. started when I was about nine years old, and I got my first set of water weights. You know, they're shaped like weights, and you pour water in them, and you start. And then in the 80s, Conan the Barbarian came out. And I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and I was, that was it, man. <laughs> I wanted to be just like Arnold. And so I have been lifting weights and into strength endeavors for a very long time. We live in a culture that is enamored with physical strength. As a matter of fact, the whole world is enamored with strength and physicality and endurance and all those things uh, all the way back to the Olympics. And we, on the conquerors, we use that as a tool, especially when we're in other nations, and we use it as a tool because it draws people to come and see feats of strength. That's what we do. You know, we've got uh, every boy's dream job. We get to break stuff for a living and we don't get in trouble for it. And uh, we used to be the malicious destruction of property is now ministry for me. And uh, we do crazy stuff, break bricks and stuff, but it draws people because they're enamored. They want to see the spectacle. And then we introduce them to the real strength in life. And that's a relationship with the Father God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we have just been going after it and going after it. But, you know, God looks at strength differently. I mean, we read all through the scripture. When there was a giant who was opposing the armies of Israel, his name was Goliath. He was opposing the armies of Israel and he was opposing the God of Israel. He actually stood out there and mocked them. And all the biggest and baddest and, the, and, the, and, and Saul, the king, who was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, he was supposed to be the man. He was, oh, I, I got an injury. I can't go out there today. And God didn't choose somebody who had uh, big biceps or was a, was a fierce warrior. He chose a young boy who had a heart after him. You see, when God judges strength, he's not looking at the size of your biceps or the, uh, the mental prowess that you have. He's looking at your heart. He wants to see if you have a heart after him. And he will do great exploits through anybody who has a heart after him. Read Gideon. Gideon and, and he, they were going to go to war and they were choosing the men. And God said, no, that's too many men. We don't want anybody to get the glory when this battle, when this victory happens. And so he got down to the last ones and, and, and he chose based on how they took their drink. Some guys were down there with their face in the water. They weren't looking out on the horizon and the 300 that stood there and went like that, he said, those are the guys I need right there because their eyes are always on the horizon looking for the next battle. As believers, we need to be looking for the next battle. We shouldn't be defensive. We shouldn't be reactionary. We should be on the offense. 
And so it's all throughout the scripture that God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. 1 Corinthians 1.27, this is in the the Passion Translation. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to to shame the high and mighty. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weaknesses, but delighted For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a porthole to God's power. I love this translation because it so captures the heart of God. A portal. A portal is like a gate, especially a big, ornate gate. And, you know, you also hear in these sci-fi movies, you know, you went through a portal from one dimension to another. Our weakness is a portal, a gate for God's strength to come through into our lives. He doesn't, he is not through our strengths, it's through our weaknesses. Because what do we do when we're, we're, we're operating in our strengths? Oh yeah, who gets the glory? <laughs> right here, Right? But when you're weak and his power comes through and something happens that you know it wasn't you and everybody else around you knows it wasn't you, who gets the glory? He does. He does. That's why Paul said, I celebrate or I glory in my weaknesses so that his strength can be manifested. You know, um, when, uh, when, I, uh, when I look at you know ministry, I've only been in ministry for, let's see, 14 years, and I've learned a lot by bumping my head mostly. Um, but I know that when I know when I get in situations where I need the eternal applied to the temporal, I need something that's other than me and all my strengths and all my wisdom and everything. I need that more and more as I endeavor in ministry. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. It was. Uh, few years ago, it was our second time to the nation of Albania. Now, three years prior to that was our first time we ever went to Albania. Albania is a 79% Muslim country, and it's ruled by the largest criminal organization in the world, the Albanian Mafia. It is by far, hands down, the most prolific and deadly mafia in the world. So we're going, and we get on this TV show, it's called The Free Zone. And it's a very popular show in Albania and in Italy and in the whole region. And we get on this show, our pastor, our friend, Akil Pano, uh, he's got a lot of influence in that nation. And this, him and this host has struck up a relationship. So he gets us on there. And, you know, we did some feats of strength. And, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then I shared my story. And we preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to millions of people. And it was a great trip. There was a bunch of people who got saved. We went to a prison, a maximum security prison. And the guards were laughing at us when we went in there. 
And they're like, and I'm like, what? I'm asking my interpreter, man, what are they laughing at? And they're like, man, you guys ain't gonna get nothing in there. You're not gonna get anything in there with these guys. So we went in there. I didn't know, I just knew they were in prison. So we went to this one uh, cell block and we're talking and these guys look normal. And, and five of them get born again out of about 30 that were gathered there. Five of them gave their lives to Christ, came forward. I'm like, cool, that's cool, you know? Some people gave their, their hearts to Jesus, that's awesome. But come to find out, two of the guys were the top kingpins in the mafia. And that after we left that prison, those guys started making other disciples. They gave them an offer they couldn't refuse. <laughs> I got Jesus, you need Jesus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if it really went down like that, but you know. So this was a phenomenal trip. It was a great trip. So here we are, we're going for the second time because that show wanted to have us back. Because we didn't know this at the time, but what happened is the night we did that show, there was a young man, his name was Riald, and he was a Muslim man, and he was in a Muslim family, and the family owned a store, and they lived above the store. And Riald was a drug addict. He was heavily addicted to drugs, he was in debt to some criminal people, and he was at the end of his rope. He was ready to give up. And so he's in his apartment, and he turns the TV on, and he's about ready to take his life. And he heard me sharing my story on the, on the TV show, and right there in the living room, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And then he went to church. He found out where, where Pastor Keel's church was, and he brought his family, and his whole family got born again. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> See, I love to hear stories like that because for us, it's just, it can, it can be just a bunch of numbers, but I love stories like that. So we're coming back for the second time. And we're gonna be on this show and Riald is gonna be on the show with us. So I'm like, oh man, God, only you could set up something like this. And so we get there and our first night there, we're in our hotel and we're sitting down and our driver, Andy Dina, he told us, he said, well, I said, how's things going? You know, how, how's the church? How are, how are things going? He says, oh, it's pretty good. We got, some, we got some difficulties. I'm like, what kind of difficulties? Yeah, well, the mafia in Albania is very political. They have a political arm. That's what makes them so powerful. They're very family oriented, but they're, they're very strong. And the man that they had as a president was their man and he got ousted and they weren't too happy about it. And he said, they've been doing car bombs. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, welcome to Albania. So we get to the hotel. The very first night, we're in the hotel, I'm sitting down, all of a sudden, boom, the whole building shook. We're two blocks down from the government headquarters. And one of my teammates walked in out of the bathroom and his eyes were about this wide. And he said, was that what I thought it was? I said, yeah, I'm thinking so. He said, I don't know if I signed up for this. I said, listen, the Lord did not call us over here to leave our families to get blown up by a bomb. He called us over here to win souls. That's what we're gonna do and nothing's gonna harm us. Because I know I don't have a martyr's calling on my life. God shows you things to come. I would know it if I was gonna be a martyr. I know, I just, nope, nope. And so every single night there was a car bomb every single night because the enemy was trying to intimidate us. Let me tell you, when you're in a situation like that, that is not the time for gospel light. 
Jesus zero calories is not the time for a situation like that. A 30-minute devotional in the morning is not a situation you want to find yourselves in with that amount of strength in your life. But let me tell you this, when your marriage is at the end of its rope, that's not the time for gospel light either. You need power from the Holy Spirit. You need a strength that's greater than your own. You need something from the eternal to be applied to the temporal in your life. It's in every situation. You don't have to go overseas and face dangers and stuff like that. It can be your marriage, your business could be on the edge of bankruptcy. You don't need gospel light. You need the power of the gospel. You need a demonstration of the gospel. You know, I love these missions trips because whenever we're in overwhelming circumstances, you know, I, I, the first time it catches me off guard. The Albania thing, it was kind of easy because I've been in a situation like that before. A few years prior, we were in uh, the Philippines and we saw a man get murdered right in front of us, like from here to the back of the thing. And, and, it, and it really, I mean, that was shaky right there. And so we had to dig deep we had to really dig deep because there's stuff that goes through your mind all the time. Like, oh my gosh, was I listening to God coming here? Was I not listening here? But I've learned that when you, everything that you need is in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Everything. Those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are 100% in your heart of hearts, one with the living God. Everything you need is already in you. All the strength, it's not about getting stronger. See, these muscles, I have to work them out. I have to, oh, I have to, I have to feed them. That, that, that's the fun part. <laughs> but I have to place stress on them that's greater than they can handle. And so I have to deliberately put myself under weights that I can't handle. You know, it cracks me up. I get a lot of guys that come up to me and they're, yeah, I'm working out. I don't want to get that big. I said, don't worry, you won't. <laughs> it didn't come from Jane Fonda videos. <laughs> but you have to continually put yourself under stress that your muscles can't handle so they have something to ad adapt to. You know, a lot of times we pray against our stress, we pray against our difficult situations when we need to learn how to embrace them and say, God, help me to rely on you to overcome this so the next time it comes, it'll be a cakewalk. Because we are supposed to live victorious lives, overcoming lives. Mm, 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 mm. Jude 20 says... But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith, praying every moment in the Spirit. So we already have all the strength that we need in our spirit man. So how do we tap into that strength? And what is praying in the Spirit? It's praying in tongues. When you pray or speak in tongues, you are engaging the eternal part of who you are. That is how you take what is eternal and apply it to the temporal. You're uttering mysteries. The Bible says 
In 1 Corinthians 14, verse two through five, when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people, but to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up and to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. It's like going to the gym and never having to have a day off to rest. The more you pray and speak in tongues, the more you advance your own spiritual progress. Pastor Dwayne spoke this morning on the soul. I, I was watching it online because the power was out. That's why I didn't come, Pastor. Or I had a good reason. <laughs> I wasn't playing hooky. But it, he, you know, the soul is also called the conduit. Our soul is being affected either by our, what our senses take in in our natural world or it's being affected from within. And whichever rules the soul is, determines the health of a soul. And so when you're praying in tongues, it's like you, you can't get tired. Your spirit doesn't get tired. It's eternal. If you want more God results in your life, you've got to learn to engage the eternal part of you. You will have an effect on your soul. You know, prophesying is just like speak, is speaking in tongues, only it's in a, a language that you know. You know, speaking in tongues, it sounds like gibberish, right? There's like 365 known languages on the earth. I know one and a little bit of Spanish and some words here and there from where I've traveled. So if you speak to me in a different language, like Chinese or something, and I'm not picking on anybody who has any Chinese heritage, but to me, it sounds like somebody took the silverware and threw it down the stairs. Ching chong, ping pong, ching chong. I can't understand a word that they're saying. So when you're speaking in tongues, it sounds like gibberish to your understanding, but God understands exactly what you're saying because you're speaking a heavenly language. It's like a hotline to heaven. You know, the red phone that the person picks up and gets direct communication. Do you know that the most vital piece of equipment in a military campaign is not a weapon? It's not the air power, it's not artillery, it's nothing. The most vital part to any warfare is the comms or communication. Because if you don't have communication, we have a guy on our team who was a special forces guy for a number of years, and he said, I protected my comm link more than I protected anything else. Because if I was in an overwhelming situation, I could call in some firepower from the sky. All I'd have to do is link up, paint the target, and bye-bye. Because we have the superior amount of power. And I'm like, tongues is the same way. When you're overwhelmed, when you're, when you're tired, you see this physical body, it has limitations. And I'm finding out as I get older, a lot of limitations. My mind, my will, and my emotions, when they're strong, when I've been meditating the word of God and it's on point, but there's times when I haven't and it's weak, it's got limitations. But when I engage my spirit with the Holy Spirit, the eternal has no limitations. It's like a direct line straight to the throne of God. You know, um, in World War II, we almost lost the war because of communication. The Germans were masters at breaking our codes because, you know, you have to send things encrypted. 
and they would break our codes and, and we, in the, the tide of battle, we were getting defeated. And every time we came up with a new code, they'd break it. And so they got together at the Pentagon and they said, we gotta think, we gotta come up with a language that nobody else knows. And so they said, hey, what about these Navajo Indians? God uses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. This Navajo Indians that they've relegated to some reservations in the back deserts of, of Nevada because, and no one wants to learn their language in school because for what? Because they're below us. They're just savages. They're just nobodies. But they had a language that nobody else knew. And it was because of them sending the communications in their language that confounded the enemy and turned the tide of battle and we won the war. Now, they made a movie about it, and they won't tell you that, but a lot of people, like in the special forces, they teach on that. They literally have a class where they say, and they teach them the importance of communication. And they say, that's what won the war for us was those Navajo Indians, the weak things of the world. Because y'all know Germany was on its way to a nuclear weapon and all that. For historians who follow that stuff, you know that. Well, when we pray or speak in tongues, it is a language that the enemy cannot understand. And he hates it. He can't stand it. He will do everything he can to keep you from praying in the Holy Ghost. He will. He will make up all kinds of stuff about it. Oh, tongues is of the devil. Well, man, I, I, you know, I used to be a drug guy. I used to be in bars, and I ain't never heard anybody speaking in tongues there. <laughs> it is a weapon of communication. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Hmm. Trust, lean, and be intimate with him. Trust, lean, and be intimate with him are the keys to victory. You see, our own understanding sometimes can be our worst enemy. Because usually we have habits. Pastor talked about it this morning, about habits, how habits determine your future, and that is so true. And a lot of our habits we have created and designed to keep us for one purpose, and that's to keep us safe. It's to keep us safe. And I'll tell you, there's one thing that God cannot stand. He hates the comfort zone. He wants to stretch his kids. He wants his kids to go way out there, step off, jump into the deep end of the pool. He wants to call you into situations that are way above your pay grade or your own skills or your own abilities. He wants you to step out there so he can grow you and show his glory through you. He hates the comfort zone. The comfort zone is like a swamp, stagnant swamp. It stinks in his nostrils. Nothing lives or grows in the comfort zone. Things die there. Your hopes die there. Your dreams die there. Your passions die there. And you, we all know what that feels like. I've been there. I got in the worst trouble in my ministry career when I got in my comfort zone when I thought I was coasting and had this thing down and, 
and thought it was all me, and that's when I found out it wasn't, and boy, did I. <laughs> Look, I don't have all the answers, but praise God, I know the one who does. And that's why it's so important to stay intimate with him. He'll show you things to come. He'll give you knowledge that you didn't have. You know, one of my friends, he's a good friend, he's a partner, and he's on our board. He owns a couple companies, and this is like eight years ago. He was taking me around his company, and he, he said, hey, let's go sit in. I said, what are they doing? They're having a big board meeting, and they're trying to figure out some legal stuff, and you know, they're in there. They might as well have been speaking in tongues, because I didn't understand a word they're saying. And I'm in there, and I'm standing there listening to it, and, and then they're trying to figure out a solution to a problem. And all of a sudden, right up out of my spirit, I didn't even think about it, I just blurted it out. Hey, what about X, Y, to do this and to the Z? And everybody turned and looked at me, and they looked at him, and they said, where'd you get this guy? So that was the Holy Spirit. He just revealed it to me right there. And he pulled me out of there, and he said, thank you, you just saved us tens of thousands of dollars. And I was like, praise the Lord. Don't, don't thank me, thank him. <laughs> Amen. You have problems in your life right now, and trust me, seek counsel, seek godly wisdom, seek that, seek that with all your heart. But there's sometimes when no matter how much counsel you get and how many people tell you what you should do that you still can't find the answer, that's when you need to get intimate with the Holy Spirit. You need to get intimate with him, lean on him, trust in him, and get away from your own understanding. And the best biblical way that there is is by speaking or praying in tongues. Because when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to men, you're speaking directly to God. And it's the quickest way. It's like getting him on the scene quicker than anything. When you are facing things that are subject to change, you need to lean on the one who never changes. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15, for if I'm praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer, but I have no clear understanding of what is being said. So here's what I've concluded. I will pray in the spirit, but I will also pray with my mind engaged. It's not saying to go around and not engage your mind. You have to, you know, you have to renew your mind by the word of the, of the Lord. You know, I've been on missions trips and I've been at the end of my rope. You know, I'm tired. I've been praying for people and praying for people and I'm spent and, and, and you know, we get up six o'clock in the morning and we're in at 11 o'clock at night and I really didn't have time to really get in the word like I usually do and I find myself spent, but that's when God moves the most because I'm out of his way and he can be a portal he can go through my weaknesses and move in ways. You know, after about the fourth or five, fifth time I've been overseas, I started to ask him, how come this is that, that the best is always at the end? He said, that's when you're at your least. That's when I get to show up the most. <laughs> well, who likes to say that? Who goes around saying, man, you know, I'm really weak in this area. I really suck in this area. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, everybody's always touting. You, you look on Facebook, I mean, Facebook, you don't wake up and have a bad day, your hair's messed up, no makeup, and take a picture and say, I'm having a real, real bad day today. <laughs> you always put your best front on, right? And your weaknesses do not define who you are and neither do your strengths. Who you are in him defines who you are. 
And he loves you strengths and weaknesses combined. He loves every part of you. And what he desires more than anything else is to have pure intimacy with his kids. My kids, my daughter, Sophie, she's a star athlete. I mean, she is, a, she is playing every sport, cheerleading, doing all. My son, Riley, he's got a lot of potential, but he's not that motivated. So he has a lot of parental motivation. And, you know, he come to me one day and he's like, Dad, you know, I don't, I don't like this and that. And, and I said, son, all that matters is that me and you are close. I told my kids, you can do and be whatever you want. I don't have any aspirations for them to follow in my footsteps. I want them following in his footsteps. I want you to do what God called you to do. If God called you to the secular world, then go. But I don't care as long as you have a relationship with him and as long as our relationship is good, that's all that matters to me. God's not concerned with what you do, do, don't do, do. It's all a bunch of do, do. He wants an intimate relationship with every single one of his kids, every one of us. That's what he desires more than anything. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede. I love that, to super intercede. On our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. His holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I mean, you can't get any better than that right there. Knowing that when you are praying in the spirit, praying or speaking in tongues, that you are at an intimate connection with the Holy Spirit and connection with who you really are. And you know what? The more you do it, the more of who you really are in him will start to manifest in your behavior it's like, a, it's like a both, you take the word of God, which is out here, and you put it in there, and you're speaking in tongues from in there. Huh. Your flesh doesn't stand a chance. Because other than our own understanding, our number, number two enemy is our own flesh. The enemy, you know, cracks me up. People come to me, oh, the devil's doing this to me, and the devil's doing that to me, and the enemy's doing that. So no, he's not. That's your flesh. That's your own desires. So you get your flesh under subjection. You get your flesh to shut its mouth and obey. And you get your mind renewed to the word of God. Then you will experience real spiritual opposition. Trust me. That's when you'll know, okay, that was the enemy. <laughs> but we, he, he's like, I don't got to worry about them. They got the, they're hogtied by their own comforts. By having to have things the way they think it should be. Da, 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 da. He doesn't have to bother with us. But you crucify that flesh. You put that flesh under subjection. You die to self. You give yourselves wholly to the living God. Surrender to him and say, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. God's like, okay, are you sure? Because I'm calling you to do something that's way outside of your comfort zone and your ability. I'm ready. Let's do it. 
that's when you'll get, you'll experience opposition, but you'll experience the life of God like you've never experienced before. You know, me, everybody here knows my history. I mean, I spent 11 years in prison. I got more felonies than the phone books we rip in half. I'm the least likely to succeed in anyone's eyes, especially the world's. He uses a knucklehead like me and a bunch of meatheads to travel around the globe and win hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus Christ. It's not because of my degree. It's not because of what I know. It's because of what God called me to do. The only thing I can take credit for is obedience. That's it. He says, go, I go. He says, do this, I go, I do. That's the only thing we got, that's the only thing we can take responsibility for is our obedience. But we also got to take responsibility for our disobedience too. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Praying in tongues will put the super on anything natural in your life and you'll experience the supernatural. You don't have to have angelic visitations. You don't have to have gold dust. Please don't anybody get into that. Gold dust coming from the ceiling or any of that to have a supernatural encounter. Your marriage, I don't know why, but I was praying on my way here and the Holy Spirit kept telling me marriages, marriages, marriages. If if you're in here right now and your marriage is on the brink, your marriage is really on the brink. I want you to come up here right now. Come on up here. Come here. Come on up here. First time visitors, praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's some more. I'm not trying to be pushy. I'm really not. Come on, your marriage is on the brink. God wants to do something in your life. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to get up here and everything's going to be hunky-dory. You guys are going to tra- traipse through daisies on your way out. But he wants to begin with your obedience. He wants to begin by you taking a step that maybe be, might be a little uncomfortable for you. Might stretch you a little bit. So come on up here. I know there's a couple more. If you're really struggling, your marriage is on the brink, and you just need need God. You need some super on your natural right now. You need some wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Just come on up here. I'm asking nicely. I'm not trying to force anything. I'm trying to plead with you. Don't let fear, shame, or any of those things hold you in your seat. God wants to do something in your life. Okay, but after service, still come and see me or one of the prayer team afterward, if if serious, because God wants to do something. You you guys that are up here, this is the word I'm getting from, from the Holy Spirit, is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. The key to breakthrough in your marriage is forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you can forgive yourself and you can forgive each other, it doesn't matter what your spouse does or doesn't do, but if you can do that, you will open up a door, a portal, in the weakness of your marriage for God's strength to shine through. 
You will. It's, I mean, I mean, you're expecting some kind of big, profound thing. It's not. It's really simple. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. If your spouse did you wrong, doing something wrong to you, they're really, really not doing it. It's not saying, forgiving them is not saying it's okay what you did to me. Forgiving is saying, I'm not going to let what you do to me affect me in my walk with God. You're, you're, you're deciding to release them. Then the Holy Spirit can come in and flood you. And he will, he, I'm telling you, he will do miraculous things in your marriage. So I just, I just want to ask you, are you willing to forgive your spouse? Are you willing to forgive? It's a choice. It's just a choice. You may not feel like it. Uh, trust me, I'm married. I feel your pain. There's times when I'm praying for my wife, and I know she's watching. And it's like, Lord, forgive that woman. It's like a feat of strength. But it's warfare. You got a war against your flesh. This marriage covenant is the most important thing. There's only two covenants you're gonna enter into, one with Jesus and one with your spouse. Those are only two covenants. It's worth the fight. It is, it's really worth the fight, ain't it? Yeah. And you demonstrated great faith by stepping up here. You demonstrated great faith. You showed the enemy that you're not playing around and God's gonna reward you because of your faith, okay? So this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. And when I get to the point where I say, and I choose to forgive, you forgive your spouse. And if you have your spouse with you, you can turn to your spouse and look them in the eyes and say, I forgive you, okay? If your spouse is not here, just forgive them or her. Just forgive them, release them, say the name. And if there's anybody else that you need to forgive, anybody else that you're holding a grudge against, because unforgiveness is like, it's like a bitter root. It poisons everything in our, in, our, in our minds, in our souls, our emotions, everything. Just release them, release them. Are you willing? Are you ready? All right, you guys can pray with us too. Lift your hands to heaven. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you for forgiving me, for loving me for recreating me, for giving me life. Father, I wanna follow you. I wanna obey you. So I'm gonna choose right now before you and before all these people. I choose to forgive, say their names. Father, I release my heart to you. I place it in your tender care. I thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Renew the passion, the love. Take us to another level, God. In Jesus' name. Be seated. You can be seated. Thank you. 
I'm gonna read you two more scriptures. Acts 2.4 says, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues and empowered by the Spirit to speak in a language they had never learned. Acts 19, one through seven says, while Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived at, in Ephesus where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. These were people who were already in. The first thing he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied, we've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. Paul asked them, what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus, the anointed one. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. See in Acts chapter one, the Holy Spirit came upon them. I love this translation because it says the Holy Spirit manifested. So they basically went out and found some believers who've been born again. They were like, yeah, we're putting our, we're, we're putting our faith in Jesus, yes. So if you get born again, you're wall to wall inside Holy Spirit. You can't get any more filled with the Holy Spirit than when you become a born again believer in Jesus Christ. He fills you, his spirit becomes one with you or you're regenerated. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the spirit in you overflows upon you. It's called the anointing. It's God's spirit upon you to empower you to do what you can't do in the natural. And the sign or the evidence of that empowerment or that anointing is when you start to speak in tongues. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an altar call in just a minute for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now when I, when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, I didn't, I didn't have any teaching. I was reading books in jail and watching things on TV. So I would go in my room for three nights. I'd go in there and I'd read the scriptures because I thought, you know, if I read more scripture, it would work. I'd read the scripture and I'd say, I believe I'm received a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'd go like this. I'm waiting for God to come down and make my lips move and, and start doing all this stuff. And every night I'd be in there all night. I'm like, man, my jaw's getting tired. God, come on. Finally, on the third night, I said, I threw my Bible down on the bed. I'll never forget. I said, I, I give up. I quit. He said, I, good. I've been waiting. And I just surrendered. And I heard these syllables and I started to speak. And when I started speaking in my mind, I was like, man, what is going on here? And I just started speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. And like any language, your language gets developed. So I just wanna encourage you. Your number one enemy is gonna, well, two enemies, your own mind, your own understanding and your flesh. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray and we're gonna come against the, 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 the desires of the flesh and, and, and human understanding. And then if you wanna be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to come up and I'm gonna lay my hands on you and you just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just start speaking in tongues. Okay, everybody good? Everybody cool?
All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for the gift, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your spirit on us, equipping us, empowering us, giving us victory. And so Father God, we submit our heart to you. We command the flesh to shut up right now. And we simply obey what the Spirit of God is prompting in our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up, come on up. If you wanna get baptized in the Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, is there anybody else? You wanna get baptized in the Holy Spirit? There you go, there you go, come on. Woo-wee. Man, the devil, he just don't know. It ain't no fun when a rabbit's got the gun. Come on, come on. We got, we got a little bit of time to wait. Yeah, that's right, come on, sister. Come on, boys, where's the men, man, come on. Come on. Oh. I'm not feeling a release. <laughs> Come on, there's some more people. Take a step of faith. Come on, walk on out here. I guarantee when you get done, you won't be going, man, I, I'm so sorry I did that. <laughs> It'll be the opposite. Come on. Going once, going twice. If during these time people are getting ministered to, come on up anytime, all right? This is not, you miss your opportunity, you, you, you miss out. If you, if you wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just come on up. Is there anybody in here before we go any further who's not right with the Lord? Who's not right with him? Either you've never really surrendered your heart to God, you know a lot about him, but you've never been introduced to him, you've never surrendered, you've never been born again. If that's you, just simply raise your hand real quick. Just simply raise your hand, say, that's me, I wanna get born again. I'm not gonna call you up here, just raise your hand, say, I wanna get born again. I wanna give my heart to Jesus. Is there anybody in here? Or maybe you're here and you're backslidden. What that means is, you, when you got born again, you were on fire. You were passionate about his word. You were, you were in intimacy. You walked with him and everything. But now you've just, you, your heart has been drawn away from him and you're just kind of going through the motions and just kind of doing what you should do. But your heart is far from God and you want to come back to him. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand real quick. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. I had to rededicate my life in 2013, trust me. <laughs> I was away from God. Thank you, thank you, thank you back there. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for you, pray with you first. And then I'm just gonna pray for these three. They're gonna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the worship team is gonna close us out and pray us out. And I believe the prayer team is available uh, for anybody who has anything else they need prayer for afterward. Okay, you ready church? All right, repeat this prayer with me. Just mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Say, dear Jesus, 
Thank you that you died for me, for my sin. And I have sinned, God, against you and against my fellow man. But tonight, I repent. I turn my back on living for myself. And I choose from this day forward to live for Jesus with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. In Jesus' name.